change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podsky Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, back-to-back week, you, me and you were doing the show. You know that, that means one thing. The CFL's it back, a, baby. Yeah, yeah, it means football's back, and uh, we're real close. Like, I, I, I mentioned it on Twitter, I saw, I saw Trevor Harris at work uh, the other day. So and that didn't give him crap for shredding us in the East Final. I'm disappointed in you, Mike. I didn't. It was like kind of like a double take. You know, I saw him, and I was like, oh, that's uh, that's Trevor Harris, and I was a little bit busy that day. It was a it was a Friday, and that's the busiest day for me. So, um, you know, the my place of work is right by the stadium. The players usually go there a lot, so I'll make sure to give him heck the next time I see him. It, it's it, it's a great time to be a sports fan, though. Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals are going. I know that's a sore spot for you, so we'll move on quickly. Uh, the NBA Finals are about to get going. Uh, if you're a fan of sports in Canada, the Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Elite Basketball League are starting up. I'm super happy because England is in the semifinals of the Euros. It's just a great time to be a sports fan, and it's even a better time to be a CFL fan because you mentioned Trevor Harris. Players are returning to Canada, and it, it finally feels real that we're actually going to get some Canadian football this year. Uh, just just makes you excited, doesn't it? It does. The only strange thing is watching hockey when it's 38 degrees. <laughs> it's been warm here, man. It's been real warm. I've never seen anything like it, to be honest, especially living in uh, – Alberta, but uh, but yeah, there's there's lots of lots of stuff going on, lots to watch on TV, and uh, I'm just excited for this CFL season to start. Yeah, so let's just dig right into the news. We have got a slew of Ty Cats roster moves to talk about. There wasn't any player signed, released, or retired, and there were a lot of them. It's it's a list of twenty some odd people in total here that uh, that the team either brought in or let go. None of them are really. There's no stars on this list. This isn't like the other teams we've seen lose guys mostly to retirements over the over the course of the last week and a bit. Um, but the Ticats did make some moves. I did want to touch on them, just kind of get the idea of what this could mean for the team as training camps are about to open. Like as we sit here today, the players are, I, I would think, all back in Canada doing their seven-day quarantine and, and camps start, we're do, recording this on a Sunday morning, start seven days from today. And, and they're back on the football field, and that's just that just makes things so much more interesting and, and so much more fun to talk about the CFL finally. Um, but we have like the, the signed players here. We got a couple of receivers: uh, DeAndre Overton, uh, Cam Phillips is an interesting one to me. He was the leading receiver in the XFL in 2020. Uh, they got a couple offensive linemen: Jalen Fisher and John. I'm going to probably butcher this name, but I think it's Yarborough. Uh, defensive lineman Lee Autry, who is the brother, I believe, of Tennessee Titans defensive lineman Danico Autry. So that's kind of cool. Uh, four defensive backs, Reggie Cole, Adonis Davis, which Adonis, awesome name. Uh, Donovan Olumba, Brad Stewart Jr., and they brought a kicker in named uh, Taylor 
Bertolette. So, no, there's no standout names on this list. These are all guys who are coming in competing for jobs at, at camp. But the uh, Cam Phillips, the leading receiver for the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL in 2020, that's kind of a name that popped off the page. I mean, he was signed a little while back, and we just never talked about it. I figured now would be a good time to bring it up. But uh, interesting that, that a guy like that comes to Canada. Maybe he could be a guy that could be battling for an actual starting position on this team. As we know, the Ticats have a pretty good track record of bringing in young receivers. Uh, Jalen Acklin, the most recent, obviously, who was uh, the team's top rookie in 2019. Kind of a, a no names popped off the page, like I said, but that's an interesting one to me. Uh, Phillips coming to the Ticats. Yeah, the Houston Roughnecks were um, were a pretty darn good team in the XFL for you know however however long it lasted. They had uh... and who were they coached by, Mike? <clears throat> Do you remember, Mr. June Jones is there, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, he knew how to run an offense. So, and uh, who is their quarterback? He's in the NFL now. Um, um, Walker. I I want to yeah. say it was PJ, PJ Walker. Walker. I, think he, I think he's with the yeah. Carolina Panthers. I think he started a couple right. of games for them last year. Yeah, when uh, Bridgewater went down there. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a talented team, and hopefully Phillips can come in and uh, you know it's going to be tough for him to get a starting spot with all the talent that we have on the Ticats. But uh, you know, it's just another. Uh, you know, experienced, talented guy that uh, bringing into camp. So we'll see what he what he does for the Ticats. And you got to think that the June Jones connection had something to do with this too, right? Like, yeah, obviously he, he had would some give good some things to say. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing to me is adding a couple more offensive linemen. There's clearly going to be a massive battling training camp for the left tackle position, which is really the only question mark as we sit here right now on the offensive line. Uh, a couple of big guys brought in. That that tells me that we're going to see some uh, some. There's a. I think they got six or seven American tackles uh, on the roster right now. Tells me we're going to see a, a bit of a battle at at the left tackle position for the team in training camp. Yeah, and with no preseason games, uh, you know, I think the intensity of training camp is going to be stepped up a notch for pretty much every position group. But but you're right that that left tackle position. Um, is up in the air right now. We don't know who's going to play that. We have, you know, some ideas. It might be a guy like Tate, but we, we we don't know how good he is really. We've never seen him play. So, uh, yeah, it's a good thing to bring in all these American tackles and let them battle it out. And adding another kicker just uh, ups the the competition for that uh, that open spot there as well, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. That's that's an, That's another big question mark. You know, we have three on this team. I think it's uh, left tackle, uh, the linebacker spot, and uh, kicker, punter. So, um, you know, we were kind of hoping, you know, an outside chance, maybe they'd bring in a guy like Justin Medlock. But, uh, you know, deep down inside, I don't think that would actually happen. So, and uh, again, we'll, we will have another new kicker in the fold for the Ticats, and uh, hopefully they get a good one. So the team also released a bunch of players over the last little while. Uh, quarterbacks Austin Simmons and David Watford, receivers Isaiah Burst, Isaiah Burst, sorry, uh, Dantes Bird, uh, Brian Jones, Khalil Lewis, and Damone Patterson. Uh, three defensive linemen: Yurik Bethune, Corin Crump, which is kind of a cool name as well, and Johnny Robinson, and a pair of DBs: Inquidarius Ford and Herb Waters. Uh, Watford. Jones and Ford were all guys who have played in the CFL. Ford was, uh, I believe, signed by the Ticats in the offseason of 2020 from the Argos. Uh, never suited up for the team, obviously. Brian Jones, we have familiarity with. Uh, he's been with the Ticats a couple of times. And honestly, if uh, if they run into some injury issues, uh, they'll probably bring him back like they did in 2019. And David Watford was our third string and short yardage quarterback uh, back in 2019. I think he had something. I think he led the team in rushing touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Like he had six or seven and was uh, was pretty good on that. But not, uh, again, uh, the list of guys 
nothing really stands out aside from uh, losing a pair of quarterbacks and, and Watford in particular. But uh, just, uh, I mean, there's there's not really a, a, a ton here. No no big names, no real surprises. Watford maybe a, t- a tiny surprise. Uh, Brian Jones maybe a tiny surprise just because the team seems to, to like him. And uh, Canadian receivers, not like they have an overabundance of them, or we at least not ones that we know for certain are going to start. Uh, Jones always could have uh, been that you know, fifth guy out there that never sees the ball. Um, but other than mm. that, kind of a kind of a, a lot of guys who I don't even think ever really played a ton for the Ticats or played at all for the Ticats, just kind of taking some names off here. And obviously, you you know, we talked about the guys they signed. You got to get rid of guys to bring guys in. So uh, with with the cap at a hundred players total for training camp, uh, some people had to go when these new when this new blood came in. Yeah, for sure. It's <clears throat> not a ton of big names like you said, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, with that national receivers position, uh, we got a couple guys. Uh, David Unger, the third. Yep. Uh, Tronowski. Tronowski, uh, obviously Jake Bird counts. So it's going to be interesting to see who grabs that spot. Uh, I, <clears throat> I have a feeling it might be Bird, like, or maybe Unger. He, he. I've seen some things from him that he might be a good player, but. Uh, yeah, other than that, uh, not a lot to talk about. Uh, David Watford, you know, he was great at those uh, third and one, second and one plunges. Um, he did he did a great job there, but, you know, he wasn't going to be the backup, obviously, with the, the two guys we have. So it's, uh, it's uh, a lot of names, and I'm thankful that it's not uh, a lot of big names because um, <clears throat> we've been seeing, like, quite a few guys with, uh, you know, starters on other teams that have been retiring and uh, leaving big holes on their team. So thankfully we don't have that with the Ticats. Yeah. Well, speaking of, we'll get to our list of retired players, Uh, a pair of quarterbacks, Jacob Nip and Hayden Moore. Hayden Moore started for the Cats in their last regular season game. Uh, Once they had wrapped up everything and they had nothing to play for, they they sat Evans and and Moore got the start and got the win. So he ends his CFL career an undefeated 1-0 as a starting quarterback. Uh, Wide receiver Justin Sumter, a pair of offensive linemen in Sheridan Lawley and Joel Van Pelt. Uh, Defensive lineman uh, Brett Wade and Derek Dufault. Uh, linebacker Lucas Coral uh, and a pair of DBs in Brandon Bryant and Ron Zamort. Um, the thing that stands out here, obviously, other than Moore, uh, because he's a guy that actually saw some playing time, is there's a lot of Canadians on this list. Um, Lolly, Van Pelt, Wade, Dufault, and Coral are all Canadian players, kind of digging into that Canadian depth. Uh, but the other thing is, with two draft classes coming in, these are some guys that maybe were on the bubble anyway, and after a year away, from the game maybe kind of got their their new lives started you know what i mean like outside of football so it's interesting to see sort of the canadian depth take a hit see the quarterback position take a hit but again like you mentioned off the top at least it's not a list of all-stars and former top players that are on the ticats retired list it's more of your uh, back up your depth pieces, guys like that. So, you know, you, you're happy for these guys that they're ready to move on in their lives. But as a, as a fan of the team, I'm happy to see that there's not an overabundance of star player names on here. I mean, there's not a single star player on here. Like, I don't even think there's a single starter on here, quite frankly. It's all special teams guys, backup, stuff like that. So that was a, a breath of fresh air for being a Ticat fan, considering what we've seen across the league. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the one name that stands out to me is the that retired was Brett Wade. Um, a recent draft pick on the defensive line. Um, I thought he might have a, a bright future ahead of him, but uh, obviously has other plans in life. So, uh, yeah, like you, I wish them all good luck. Well, And what's interesting there is he was the lone Canadian 
backing up Ted Laurent. They do have some other Canadian defensive linemen, but they mostly play defensive end. Uh, they spent mm. a couple of draft picks recently. Uh, uh, what was his name? He was a top one of the top picks of a couple of years ago. Mason Bennett. Um, but he's he's more of a defensive end. So they do have some Canadians on the line, but it's not guys that you would think would come in to spell Laurent. And as we know, Ted Laurent hasn't always stayed healthy. He's missed games in the past. So without any sort of veteran or or familiar with the team players behind Laurent could make it interesting if he happens to go down uh, in, the, in in a game this season. Might make for a little bit of roster shuffling and ratio shuffling if, if uh, Teddy has to sit for a game or two due to injury. Yeah, that'll be the tricky part, right? With all these backups, you know, retiring, you know, we say, we, you know, we're thankful they're not starters, but, you know, it could be a big deal once the starters, you know, go down. There's going to be injuries, obviously. There's injuries every year. Um, and uh, those guys are going to have to step up. Those new guys that haven't had any experience are going to have to, you know, step up for the starters and uh, do a good job. But it's a little worrisome, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, jump off a bridge or anything. No, no, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> expect you to either. Um, let's talk about some CFL-wide news. Not a, lot, not a lot here either, but I did want to touch on something because I went out of my norm and for three down wrote a piece about the Argos and all the moves they've made over the last year and a bit to completely revamp that roster. Um, and this this came about because they just recently coaxed uh, Ricky Collins Jr. out of retirement and signed Dexter McCoyle. And if you look at the Argos roster on paper, it's fairly impressive. There is a lot of star power on there. And I'm not going to get into the whole are they over the cap nonsense or what players are going to get released because, you know what, for all we know, they're cap compliant. They got these guys. I mean, a year ago, when we were when the Thai Cats had signed, uh, they signed Patrick Levels and they brought everyone back. And people were like, "Well, the Thai Cats are going to be over the cap." And it's like, "We first off, you're not over the cap until the season starts. Secondly, you have no idea what these guys are getting paid. Uh, that stuff's not made available unless guys like uh, Duncan and Haji break it for three down. But we don't know what the cap situation is of these teams. So for all we know, all these guys can stay. But at the same time, there's a lot. Like if you look at the Argos receiving core, they got like 500 guys there, and a lot of them have CFL experience. So you got to think, yeah, okay, maybe one or two of them." aren't going to make the squad, but I'm more interested in what you think. Cause I see all these kind of roster changes and it just reminds me, and I hate to go back to it. We talk about it a lot. Those mid two thousands tie cats teams that were just God awful. They made so many changes over the span of like three or four years, bringing in like Casey printers and Jason Moss and Chris Brazel and Josh Ronick and Corey Holmes and Kenton Keith. And the list goes on and on. Of, of these guys that they brought in, these these big signings that made headlines that were supposed to revitalize the team, get them out of the basement, and every year the team would go three and fifteen or five and thirteen, like, and they would they finished in last place four straight years. It wasn't good, and all that upheaval, and that was over the span of a couple of seasons that they would bring in these big names. The Argos are doing it essentially in it, albeit an extended off season because they haven't played since twenty nineteen, but in what is essentially one off season. I I don't know if this is going to work. This feels to me like so much change that it's going to take a long time for these guys to gel and for this unit both offensively and defensively to get it together and we talked a week ago about how daunting their opening month two months of the season is these guys have to get together and get it together fast if the Argos is going to make a move or they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in really really early with a big 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 hole I don't know if they can do it when when you've seen all the stuff the Argos have done especially with the recent additions of Collins and McCoy what what kind of ran through your mind well the, you know i do think of the early 2000 tie cats but this this is on another level <clears throat> like 
they brought in so many players with, with name value and it's just um you know you look i'm looking at their roster right now and the, the amount of players is just preposterous it's uh like the dbs the list goes on and on the wide receivers um you know we always talk about cohesiveness uh with our team you know we want the same guys back as many as possible um the argos do not have that and i think that's a big key and like you said early on they're gonna have to get together they're gonna have to mesh uh quick because they have a tough schedule so i think that maybe they might be good by the halfway point but that it might, it might be too late by then you know it's it's they they're gonna lose some games early on and um, you know, the, the players are new, the coaching staff is new, everything is new, and uh, it's gonna, especially with no preseason games too. It, it's gonna be tough for these guys to come together and be a good team by week one, two, three. So I'm with you, man. I just, I, you know, maybe by the halfway point they'll be a decent team, but I have them pegged for probably third in the East, and uh, they maybe they squeak into the playoffs, but I don't think they're gonna be a real contender this year. Well, just look at the receivers. You got you got to think you, you basically start 5, right? And mm-hmm. they they brought in Juwan Breskison, Ricky Collins, Devaris Daniels, Eric Rogers. Now, Breskison's a Canadian, but three of those guys, there's three Americans. Now you're thinking, okay, who do they have left? You still have Chandler Worthy who played well for them before. Levi Noel, who's a Canadian who's played well for them before. They brought in Terrell Sinkfield. They've added the American guys like Martavis Bryant, and uh, there was one more. Who's the other one? Kendall Wright. Kendall Wright. He was yeah. a first-round draft pick. In the end, like, and that's just the guys that we know. And now we're already, what, seven deep at receiver before we've even touched on some of, like, Dijon Brissett was a first-round pick for the Argos a couple of years ago. Like, there's—and and this having a lot of talent is a good thing to have. But if you think all of these guys are going to make the game, like first off, you don't you don't dress nine receivers on your game day roster. And aside from maybe Sinkfield and like Noel has played special teams, but aside from really Sinkfield, none of these. You think Martavis Bryant's going to be running down on punt coverage? You think Kendall Wright's going to be running down on punt coverage? Like I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like these guys came up here with the expectations that they're going to be in the starting lineup, making plays, thinking this is going to get me back to the NFL. Now, how often does that happen? Very rarely. But that's what these guys have come up here for. They didn't come up here to go, you know, tackle Frankie Williams on a punt return. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not a bad thing to have an overabundance of talent. But there's – all these guys aren't making the squad. And that that's just the way it is. Like, you're, you're not going to have, like I said, eight, nine guys on your game day roster. So, at some point, these guys are going to get cut. And everyone's going gaga over the guys they brought in. But – how many of these guys are actually going to play? And then, like, the defensive line's another thing. They brought in Charleston Hughes, and and they brought in Odell Willis, and they brought in uh, Shane Ray, who was a first-round pick in the NFL, and they brought in Drake Nevis, and they brought in Cordero Law, and Eli Harold was a player who played. Coney Ely had three sacks in the Super Bowl. Like, there's a ton of talent here, and that is, like I said, I will and I'll repeat till I'm blue in the face, that's a good problem to have. But this team is not going to be loaded with former first-round NFL draft picks and these high-end veteran players. Like, there are going to be guys that are going to not make the squad, and we don't know who they're going to be. I would bet on the CFL veterans over the NFL guys, but that's just me. I think guys, we see NFL guys, former NFL guys come up here all the time and not make it. But, like, I understand Argo fans being excited about this Mm -hmm. because this is a change from what they've normally done. Normally they've said, oh, we're going to trot out this team and, and they're going to be good, and then they end up getting beat by 50 by the Ticats in their home opener. 
maybe this is different, but man, there's there's a lot of guys that will be released that that people have made an awful lot of noise about this offseason that aren't going to be on this team when the, when the season starts in a month. Yeah, there'll be some uh, big name free agents out there uh, for other teams to snatch up if they if they so please. So, yeah, the Argonauts are, are an interesting team right now. They, it's it's one of the teams I'm really looking at as the uh, season starts. Obviously, other than the Tiger Cats, um, because yeah, like there's just been so many big names, NFL former NFL guys, uh, CFL veterans that have been you know n- near the top of the league talent wise. So. New coach, Ryan Didwitty, how's he going to do? You know, there's a lot of question marks about the question mark. The, the coach yeah. and the quarterback. It's a first-year head coach yep. and a first-year really starting quarterback who's got a veteran guy who led the league in touchdown passes last season breathing down his neck. Like, this is this this has this has the potential to either be, oh, my God, the Argos are 10-4 and four and they won the East and they had this miraculous season, or this – blows up in spectacular fashion and they finish in last place like ottawa finds right. a way to beat them you know what i mean like it's it to me there's no middle ground the argos aren't don't, don't feel like a team that's going to be seven and seven like this is either going to be a team that's really good because of the talent they have or this is going to spell spectacular spectacularly and they're going to be terrible yeah it's a it's a big question mark with ryan didwitty you know he came out of that calgary system and you know a lot of people can look good um uh, coaching for that team playing for that team and then once they leave, it's a, it's a little tougher. So you can have all the talent in the world, but if the coach doesn't know how to use the talent properly, then you're you're in big trouble. So um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch this year. Yeah, they do feel. I think you said you have them kind of pegged as third in the East. I feel like that's a fair sort of assessment of them as we stand right now. I think I think the Thai Cats are the obvious favorites, and I think Montreal showed enough in 2019. And also, that's another team that has a lot of continuity. They brought a lot of their guys back, and they have kind of a, a set starting quarterback. And I think Vernon Adams Jr. is now ready to kind of take – like he's, he, there's no questions that he's the starter in Montreal. Yeah. Toronto's got some question marks with all that talent on the team, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch, especially over the first month of the season because that schedule – the first two months, I mean, that schedule is brutal. It's tough. And you got to look at, like, how's their offensive line? Like, that's a big mm-hmm. – that's a big deal. They bring in a bunch of guys on the offensive line. I'm not sure, but I see some names that I recognize. Like uh, I know Campbell, they brought in like Philip Blake Blitz and Smith. Darius Bladick. Um yeah. But again, how how are these guys going to perform? Like I think Blake and Bladick played on the same line in Saskatchewan, but like how are these how are these guys gonna gonna do? Like you 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 have turnover like that on the offensive line as well. Also not a good thing. You like your offense. Like one of the things that we like most about the Ticats offensive line is four of these guys have all played together and played together at a high level. So yes, there's a question mark in one of the positions, but you can kind of cover for that if the rest of the line's really good and, and you know that they're good because we've seen it. We have proof. We can put on the, the games from a year or two years ago and go, this is what they look like. So with the Argos, it's there's a lot of question marks there. And like I said, I understand their fans being excited because you know you sign Charleston Hughes and you trade for Eric Rogers and these are oh wow these are things that like pop off and, and get headlines. But I just I this much roster turnover, especially over one off season, has the potential to be not a great thing for Toronto. But I mean, we'll we'll know in a month's time when the season actually kicks off, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm with you on this one. Um, okay, so I want to do something different this year, talking about the Ticats in training camp. Usually we do kind of like a, 
a training camp preview because camps are going to start in about a week. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about the team and we'll go and we'll say, what do we think about certain positions? But I kind of wanted to change it up this year and do more of a individual deep dive on the positions. Um, we're going to start with the quarterbacks, the Ticats quarterbacks. This was much more interesting about a week ago when I had this idea because there were six or seven quarterbacks on the roster. And I think that there was a much more interesting debate or discussion to be had about what we were going to see and who we were going to see battle out for that number three quarterback position. Like, I think we're, I, I'm not, I won't even say think we are fairly certain. No, I'm, I'm, say, I'm, I'm, I'm equivocating. I try not to do that. Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dan Evans will be the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback in whatever order you want to put them in. They're one and two, regardless of anything else. No matter how many quarterbacks had in the roster, that wasn't going to change. They're quarterback one, quarterback two going in season. No one's going to debate that. But then I thought it would be interesting, like, what are we, what are we going to do at number three? But then the Ticats side, two quarterbacks retire and release two. And now the number three quarterback is a guy named Jamar Smith. Um, Smith was with the New England Patriots last year. Um, yep. so there's, there's that kind of interesting pedigree, which also means he has a bit of a relationship with the Ticats first round pick Jake Burt, who also spent last year mm. with the New England Patriots. So that's kind of interesting there, but the, the Ticat position group at quarterback, I mean, it's, it's going to come down to who is the starter. And we've talked about this. I don't know how many times, but we're going to do it one more time. Mike, we're going to talk about Mazzoli and Evans. It's, it's Mazzoli, right? Like that he's going to be the starter going into the season. I believe so. You know, they're paying him the most money. Uh, he has the most experience. Uh, you know, he's led this team for, for uh, you know, quite a few years now. I just think this is his, his team for now. Uh, you know, they're going to have to make a big decision after this year because, you know, they're both not going to stick around. But uh, going into this season, I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is the guy. He has had a long amount of time to recover from that knee injury. Uh, I think he'll be at 100% and uh, ready to go. So in my eyes, I think it's Jeremiah Mazzoli. Yeah, I, it's it's got to be. I think he's two years removed from that ACL injury. He'll be more than two years removed from that ACL injury when the season actually kicks off. Dane Evans, as good as he, we know he is, this is going to be Mazzoli's team. Um, how do you think this is going to work. Like I, I've seen some, some people out there, Ticats fans wonder if there's going to be like a platoon situation. If we're mm. going to, Evans is going to get reps in actual games, whether Mazzoli is good or not. I don't see that happening. I don't think that there's going to be any sort of like Quentin Porter, uh, Kevin Glenn type situation that we saw here about a decade ago. I, I think once they make the decision on who the starter is going to be, and I do think that decision is going to ultimately be Mazzoli. I think Evans only gets in if Mazzoli struggles, if there's a blowout, or if he gets hurt, God forbid. Um, what do you think? Do you think there's any chance the Ticats do sort of a, a one-two punch and have both guys playing in the same game? I hope not. I've never liked the uh, platoon system. I know it worked for us, uh, you know, when we had, what was that, Dan Lefevre and... Uh, oh, Henry Burris. Henry Burris, you know, we got to the Grey Cup that year, and uh, Lefevre had a big part in that. He scored the winning touchdown to, to get us there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, to me, like if I've never liked the platoon system, I'd like, I like having the starting quarterback and that's your guy. And if he fails, then you bring in the backup, but none, none of this, you know, Mazzoli gets two series and then Evans comes in for a series. I, I, I don't like that. I think it messes up the, uh, continuity with the offense. You know, I just think that it will be a number one guy and he will be that and that and and there will be no going in and out for the quarterback. So in my eyes, it's Jeremiah Mazzoli and he's the guy unless he falters or gets injured. 
So let's talk about Smith for a second here because he's kind of got an interesting college resume. He has mm. like that prototypical CFL size, 6'1", 218. Like that seems like the type of size quarterback that kind of excels up here. Uh, he went to Louisiana Tech, uh, which is, uh, I believe, Conference USA school. Not a big school, but we've seen a lot of smaller school guys. Actually, I think Dane Evans, at, I think Tulsa's in Conference USA or was in Conference USA. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I think Dunnigan. Dunnigan was from Louisiana. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Tech and uh, same with Theismann. I think two two guys that played in the CFL. Well, Joe Theismann went to Notre Dame. Oh, is he okay? Who's that other quarterback then? He broke some records. Uh, it doesn't matter, but uh, I know for sure Louisiana. Uh, yeah, you're Dunnigan's right about. You're definitely there. right about Dunnigan. Well, yeah. and I and I think and, uh, I think uh, Terry. Bra- I mean, not a CFL guy, but I think Terry Bradshaw went to Louisiana Tech too. Okay, so then maybe that too it was then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but anyway. yeah, he had a pretty good career in uh, Louisiana Tech. You know. Yeah, four like, seasons. Yeah, you're, you're looking at you're looking at the same stats I am. Like I, I see yeah. the rushing yards. That's the thing that pops out to me. Like, you know, he had he, he's a quarterback, so he threw for like 9,500 yards. He, you know, I and he played at a smaller school, so it's not like he had an abundance of talent around him. But it's the rushing. I, I see 856 yards and 15 rushing TDs in his college career, and he was the offensive player of the year in Conference USA in 2019. Like that's the type of developmental quarterback. And a guy who, because here's the thing, you brought it up, you touched upon it. This is the last year of Mazzoli and Evans together. So they need to get the next guy ready, whether Evans becomes the starter and they build up a backup around him, or the the older Mazzoli is the starter and they need a guy who might have to play a little bit sooner than if they went with Evans. They're going to need to start, and with only one other quarterback on the roster, which is Smith, they're going to need to start kind of grooming him to be the backup because that's, he, I don't know if that's what he's been told, but I mean, Unless something miraculous happens and both these guys are back next year, which I do not, I, I don't know what could happen to make that possible. Um, Jamar Smith right now has the inside track on being the next High Cats backup quarterback going into the 2022 season. So, like anything that he can kind of learn, and the th- this is the thing that sucks too with no preseason, we're never going to get to see him play. Like, unless like absolute disaster happens, he's never getting in the game unless he's going to be the. The, the third down quarterback, which, again, the, the other thing we have to keep in mind, the CFL changed the rules, and now teams only have to dress two quarterbacks per game. So this could be a situation where I think the Ticats would go with just Mazzoli and Evans, and then Smith ends up on the practice roster and develops from there. Um, but, yeah, th- this, this is a guy that might be someone to keep an eye on going forward simply because, like I said, this is the last year of Evans and Mazzoli. There's going to have to be a new backup quarterback in town. And right now with only, with him being the only other quarterback on the roster, he's got the inside track to that position next year. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, the rushing yards kind of stand out to me as well. Um, you had 15 rushing touchdowns, you know, I, the, the completion percentage isn't great. 59.3, no. but um, the touchdowns to interceptions is a pretty good ratio. 51 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. So uh, yeah, I think that, you know, we don't know anything you know he could be good he could be bad he could be a backup he could be a starter but you know he has the tools it looks like he has the uh rushing ability and uh you know maybe he can improve uh, that uh with his accuracy on his passes and uh be a good quarterback in the cfl but uh jamar smith yeah you're gonna maybe remember that name yeah name to keep an eye on and the thing is you don't spend a year on the New England Patriots practice roster without as bad as they were in 2020 without learning you're, you're under the Belichick tree you're going to learn some good stuff about football that that cannot be discounted either no absolutely not uh, you know as much as I know you don't like the uh, Patriots you know they've no. had a lot of success and a lot of that success has uh, 
been due to the coaching staff and uh, Bill Belichick. So never a bad thing to be in training camp with those guys. Yeah, you can hate a team because they win too much, but you can't disrespect them for doing that. There's a reason no. they were as good as they were. Um, so that's it for this week on the on the positional deep dive. The next week we're going to cover the quote unquote skill positions with the running backs and receivers. That is going to be a much more in depth conversation because there's a lot to talk about at both positions. We kind of know who some of the starters are going to be, although running backs a little bit of a question mark. There's going to be to me a bit of a camp battle there for to see who becomes the number one. But there's obviously a lot more in the way of discussing the backups, which I think is always the interesting part. We can talk about some guys that maybe don't get as much publicity. Uh, and, and that's kind of what we tried to do here with, with Jamar Smith. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that next week when you and I sit down to do this and we get to talk about the running backs and receivers, there'll be a little bit more to sink our teeth into. I mean, and by that time, uh, mm-hmm. training camps will be pretty much starting, and maybe we'll, we'll get to know sort of yeah. uh, who is and isn't in the starting lineup. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's just – it's the whole thing about this that, that I find fascinating is the fact that we're actually getting to talk about things on the field. I think I've said this now three weeks mm-hmm. in a row. That's what we're talking about now, and that just makes me excited. Football is back, yeah. baby. Yeah, just hammered home. We're we're talking, we're talking football on the field, and it's uh, an exciting time. I tell you what. All right. Tell you what. We had some. Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, I'll tell you what. All right. Uh, anyway, you had <laughs> some leftover questions from a week ago that we were going to touch back on this week because there were some ones that that involved us. Do you need to really kind of sit down and do some actual? Uh, Research, which is something we don't normally mm-hmm. do on this show. We usually fly by the seat of our <laughs> pants. But this this involved us putting our thinking caps on. And uh, so why don't you kick us off, Mike? You got all the questions. Let's uh, let's go with uh, what you got. What do you got for me first? All righty. So we got, uh, we got some from Jim Martin at LE2TON. Uh, first one is Winnipeg is only letting fully vaccinated fans into the stadium. Thoughts? Should the Ticast do the same? This might be a controversial opinion. Mm. I don't like that. And here's why. Um, not to get into too much of a political debate, but there are legitimately people out there who cannot get vaccinated. Um, whether they're allergic to something. I know a couple people. I work with one girl who I'm not like, obviously, if I named her it wouldn't matter. But I do work with someone who cannot get the vaccine. Um, she's basically allergic to everything. And it might do some serious damage to her if she did. Now, she's not a football fan, so she's not, not like she's going to Taika games or anything, but I just think that, especially in a league where they're not making the players take the vaccine, I think it's a little hypocritical and a little ableist, quite frankly, to say you have to have people have the vaccine. I want everyone to get the vaccine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not mm-hmm. saying people shouldn't mm-hmm. get it. I want everyone to be vaccinated. I think with, especially... And maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive to this because I've been working throughout the pandemic with the public. I've worn my mask. I've stayed away from people. I've done everything right. And if someone's in my position and they're unable to get the vaccination and now they're being told, and the one thing they're like, oh man, I'm just looking forward to, even if I got to wear a mask, I don't care. I just want to go to a game or I want to go do stuff. And then they're told, hey, uh, we don't care. You have to get a needle in your arm, even though they can't get it done. Feels a little wrong to me. You know what I mean? Like it just, it feels like, that's not the way to go. I don't think like if I'm, I'm hoping that this, maybe there's some hesitant people out there that this is pushing towards getting a vaccine, but I just think about the people and it's, I admit it's a small number of people that can't actually get it. That would want to still be able to go to this stuff to, to exclude them. It just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't think the CFL should really be out there 
alienating fans. Not, they're going to alienate them for political reasons because there's going to be idiots out there like, I'm not getting the vaccine because they're putting microchips in my blood or, you know, moronic mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the CFL's in financial trouble. And, and to be alienating even one fan who's, who's like, man, I just I can't actually do this, but I really want to be able to go to the games – it just doesn't sit sit right with me, if, if that's fair. I, I know there's going to be people out there that are going to absolutely destroy me for think, for saying this, but that's kind of where I'm leaning towards this. The idea that you're forcing people to do something that, in some cases, they can't actually do, just, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you on this, Josh. Uh, it's a it's personal choice. Listen, like I I like you. I wish that everyone would get the vaccinated. I, I'm double vaccinated and. Um, I think it's the wise decision, but you mm-hmm. can't make people do things. You know, it's just you just can't. It's it's a free country, um, and you know, if people don't want to get vaccinated, they're not going to. So, I think that you should be allowed in, um, no matter what. You know, you probably wear a mask. You know, if you're not vaccinated, but I don't think they can enforce that either. So, uh, to me, it's 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 a personal choice, and you should be able to uh, go where you want. And um, to everyone that gets vaccinated, that's a good thing. You know, I, I think that that helps you know everyone. But there's stubborn people out there that are just choose not to do it. And uh, and like you said, there's people who just can't. You know, whether they're allergic or or whatnot. So um, I think it's a bit unfair to them, and uh, especially the people who can't get it. And uh, I think it just screams, you know, not dictatorship, but like it's just it just doesn't feel right in a free country. Well, and here's the thing, too. I, we both work in the grocery industry, so we've, we've been dealing with working throughout the pandemic. And we've seen how people react when they have to come into a store and are told you have to wear a mask and they throw an absolute hissy fit and say, oh, well, I'm exempt. And like, we, I'm sure you've seen it. I know I've seen it. And they're sitting there screaming at a minimum wage employee, telling them that you know you're just a a, a shill of the government, and you're you're we're, we're, you're trying to turn everyone again. Like I've heard so many excuses as to why people can't wear masks, and how making people wear masks is this just ungodly, unconstitutional thing, which it's not. You're gonna put that on now. You're gonna have football fans going to games and there's going to be a, a, a class of them that are just going to be like, I don't care what you say. I'm, I got my tickets. I'm going to the game and they're going to berate someone. Uh, this poor ticket taker is just going to get like vitriol spewed in their face and maybe they won't be allowed in and, and they'll bring security and they'll, they'll tell that person they can't go. But like you got these, these, which I'm assuming are going to be minimum wage workers just taking the heat for these things that have nothing to do with them. I don't think that's right either. Like, I don't know what the perfect solution is because um, even if you say like vaccinated, not vaccinated, you got to wear masks in the stadium. There's going to be people who are going to cause a, a fit about that. This is there's no perfect solution because no matter what you do, you're going to tick somebody off. I, I, I just it's a uh, it's an unfortunate byproduct of what we're dealing with now. But it just uh, I don't know. How are you going to prove it too? Like, well, I know I know, in, I know got... in Winnipeg they have an app on like oh, they have an app on their phone. But here's the thing too: what if you don't oh, have okay. a smartphone? Like right? if yeah. if my if like like most people do, but like I I know people who still have flip phones, and they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out and buy a thousand dollar phone so that I can go to a football like that. How is that right? You know what I mean? Like or maybe they can't. They they spend their the only extra money they have is buying football tickets. They can't afford to buy a phone, but then people, well, why you, but that's no one's business. Why someone does, spends whatever they spend their money on. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's so much wrapped into this that, uh, 
don't know. It just it feels like it's, it's a tough. powder keg waiting to explode, and it's it's just I don't think it's something that we should really be wanting to deal with. Yeah, there's a. Uh, I think it's going to be tough here in Alberta too because there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are anti facts and you know loud and whatever but uh anyways we we gave our opinions on that let's go to the next question yeah. uh predictions on other big names retiring before the season now this would have been better answered, last week you know oh, last week because if you're in your cities you know i don't think you're heading back you know what i mean like if you're in edmonton or hamilton already yeah i don't think you're going to be retiring unless you really don't like what's going on um so I don't know. Do you want to throw a name out there, or do you want to just go on to the next one? No, no. Because see, what I found interesting about this is the names we've seen over the last couple of days. Um, Alex Mateus has officially retired. There's rumors that Nolan McMillan will retire. How how Ottawa is going to feel the team this year that even comes mm-hmm. close to winning a game? I don't know. They're losing so much talent. Uh, my buddy Santino, who works for Three Down, who covers the Red Blacks, I feel so sorry for him having to cover this team this year. This is going to be this is going to be the 2017 tie cats on steroids with how bad this Ottawa team's going to be. This is going to be borderline unwatchable. I don't know how he's going to do it. And then we saw Brendan Labatt who didn't retire, but said he's not going to play this year because of COVID restrictions and how I, I think the quote was something like, I'm going to lose the two best months in this, in this province, not being able to leave my house. Okay. I mean, that's a decision. If he wants to make it, that's cool. But the thing that, that struck me about these is they're all Canadian players and they're all offensive linemen. So in that spirit, Mike, I I hate to say this. What if Chris Van Zyl decides he's done? I don't think it's going to happen. I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. We haven't heard anything about this. I check the CFL transaction wire all the time because you see guys, the teams have that like, they release the guys or the guys retire. It's on there before even the teams announce them because it has to be in the league first. I don't think this is going to happen, but in the same breath of, if you would have told me a week ago, we would have done this a week ago, I wouldn't have said Alex Mateus or Nolan McMillan or Brendan Labatt for that matter. Like, these are guys that you just assume their football player is going to play football. Chris Van Zyl is 38 years old, 37, 38 years old. He's done everything. There's nothing. He's won most outstanding offensive lineman last year, last season. Uh, he's a two-time Grey Cup champion. He's going to the Hall of Fame. There is nothing left for him to prove. What if he, after a year and a bit off, what if he goes, I don't want to play football anymore? What That would be a huge blow to the tie cats. It would completely change the ratio on the offensive line. Thinking you're going in with four uh, Canadians on the offensive line. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, do we only do we only go with three? But it, 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 the only reason I bring him up, and I again, I don't think it's going to happen, is because if you look at the guys that have retired, the bigger names of sorts, it's mostly been these Canadian elder offensive linemen. And Van Zyl fits that mold to a T. Yeah, that would be that would be a huge loss for the Ticats if that happened. Uh, you know, going into the season with question marks at the left tackle and right tackle position, that would be a huge blow to the offensive line. So let's just fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. But I, I thought you were going to tell me to shut my mouth when I said this. I was going to be like, "You shut up! Don't don't put that <laughs> don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby." <laughs> no, but it's it makes sense just because of his age and like all the accomplishments and all that, but. I think he he wants to be back. You know, you see him doing videos on the Ticats website. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that means that he's going to be for sure back, but uh, yeah, I, I fingers crossed that that doesn't happen, Josh. Yeah, I, again, I and if I had to predict someone like it was last a couple last couple of days, I would have said Brandon Banks just because he's yeah, throwing stuff out on Twitter saying that he doesn't know if it's worth it or whatever. But 
I think he's already arrived. So you know, he says a lot on Twitter. Yeah, and he, yeah, you know, and here's a, you know what? T- let's talk about that for a bit because I've I've seen people like you know, Brady Banks says anything. And peop- there, there's a, a group of people that would just rip him. They'll talk about how he didn't show up in the Grey Cup and how he's a baby and, and all that sort of nonsense. But it's like, yeah, Banks does kind of speak his mind. But at the end of the day, it, aren't we happy about that? Like, don't we want our – like, we talk about how we're sick of the cliched answers and guys just, you know, oh, was, you know, we played hard out there and we did our best and now we're, we're on to Cincinnati. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the sort of canned answers that were just like I, – I, I, I don't – like the one of the reasons I don't like listen to media scrums or anything like that is because it's like we get you get the same stuff. You don't get yeah. any sort of you don't get what who the players really are. Um, one of the reasons you know that I've never really been big on us bring, trying to bring players on as guests is I don't know how exciting that's going to be. I don't know mm-hmm. like maybe they'll open up. Like I know we've had some success with guests in the past and they've been more open and it's been fun. But like players are a little more reserved. They're a little more worried about what they they should and shouldn't say. So to me, it's not always doesn't always make for great listening for some people. Some pe- like you know we would probably do triple the amount of of listens and downloads we would have if we had a Ticats player on here every week. But at the same time, it's like I don't necessarily know if that's the most interesting thing going. Like guys, guys don't tend to be all that open. You know what I mean? Especially with people they don't really no. know. Brandon Banks, yeah. yeah Especially for, guys that are playing right now, you know, sure. like maybe if we brought in some retired guys, like I think it'd be cool to re- bring in some, you know, maybe eventually uh, bring in a guy from the 99 team just because yeah. I've, and some stories and all that stuff. But you're right, like current players, you know, they have that media training. And mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's just not not very interesting. But yeah. uh, my point yeah, was, is, Banks, is, you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my, I was just gonna say my point is is Banks goes out there and maybe like speaks his mind and maybe says mm-hmm. like tweets things before he thinks is isn't that a little refreshing? Like yeah, yeah, it is, it is, and it, it's frustrating the, as a the, fan because you're like because I see that and I'm like oh my god is he is he not gonna play? if he doesn't play we're mm-hmm. screwed but at the but at yeah. the same time it's like he he's done this before like and it's just right. what is Twitter for but not to just put whatever inane nonsense you want like we all do it no one cares it's like I don't know mm-hmm. I. I think he gets unfairly criticized a lot. I think it all stems from him being upset after the punt return touchdown was called back all those years ago in the Grey Cup, and people have used that against him. And then he got hurt in the most recent Grey Cup, and people somehow used that against him like it was his fault that he hurt him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there's just a segment of people out there that just don't like Brandon Banks, and no matter what he does, they're just going to use any opportunity to rip into him. And uh, quite frankly, I, it's, it's a little boring. For me, for people to keep yeah. doing that, but you know, he speaks his mind, and I'm, I'm kind of all for that. Like, yeah, let, let, let players be who they are. Let him be who he is. Yeah, yeah. Let, let him be who he is. Like, I have nothing against it. He just seems to tweet out a lot of fear. You know, like yeah. a lot of, um, I'm gonna retire. I'm not gonna play. Or, and then you know, he never, he never does what he says he's going to do. So, um, yeah, he'll be in training camp. You know, you can't take anything he tweets seriously because he never follows through with what he says. So. Yeah. Uh, if he goes there, see. you know what? If he goes there and balls out, we're not going to give a crap what he said in, in no. June. No one's going to care. No. Yeah, say what you want. You know, if you if he did retire, then the more power to him. If that's what he wants, that's cool. Um, but I think he'll be on the field tearing it up with yeah. uh, with the Ticats this year. Same here. Uh, this one's kind of a out of left field question. What are the odds that the Ticats introduce a Nashville hot chicken sandwich at the con- concessions <laughs> this year? This <laughs> like, is. I got to think that this comes – so there's a chicken place in town called The Coop. And uh, 
it's it's delicious. Mike, if you ever head down to the Hammer for a game, I'm hoping you're going to be here for Grey Cup. If that's the case, I'll take you to the Coop and we'll get a, we'll get a, a nice meal. Uh, great, great food. I mean, there's there's a ton of plate. Like you're going to be so fat by the time you leave here when you visit. Um, your girlfriend's not going to recognize you when you get home, quite frankly. Um, there's so many great places to eat, but the coop is a place, and I'm pretty sure they have a Nashville chicken fried sandwich on their menu. So if that's the reason for this question, I fully support it. And I hope that that's the case because the coop offers some delicious fare. Um, but I I have no idea what they're going to offer. This is such a weird question. Um, but it got me, it's got my mouth watering now. Can't wait to finish this up with you. And I'm going to go make myself something to eat because, I'm, maybe I'm going to go, I mean, you know, I might go on Uber Eats and see if the coop is over. I might get myself a chicken sandwich. You know, it's funny. I sent you a text message because you're asking what are the questions that were left over. I think I sent you a Tennessee hot sandwich. Yeah. Or something, <laughs> yeah. Whatever was it was. Close. Yeah. You were yeah. close. I mean, Nashville's in Tennessee. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know um, what? I, sure whoever, what whoever sent that in, I need a follow up as to why that question was asked. Okay. That was, that was Jim Martin. He sent in all these questions. So he sent in three of them. All right. Well, um, thanks, Jim. I, get get back to us when you listen to the show. I, I need to, if it's because of the coop, I look like a genius. If it's for some other reason that I don't understand, I'm sorry that we butchered your question. Uh, a Nashville hot chicken sandwich sounds delicious to me. So I think, you know, maybe it's a good idea. Yeah, maybe they get should. On board. All right. So uh, this is the next one from Tiger Sammy. Uh, who are your favorite one-season wonders? A player each on offense and defense who only played one season with the Ticats but made a huge impact on the team. This was one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked on this show simply because there's not a lot of options here. I dug deep into the Ticats roster from the past like 25 years mm-hmm. to try to find some players. And anything post like... 2008 it's kind of murky on me remembering how long was he here for when did he play um so coming up with guys was tough especially on defense on offense there's a few especially at running back there's a lot of guy one year running back guys here but i'll start with defense and uh i only came up with two and i'm gonna go with devon coleman do you remember him he now plays i think in bc uh was here in 2017 was paired up with ted laurent was the next in a long line of really good defensive tackles the Ticats brought in, was an absolute mm-hmm. monster in the 2017 season before he was then traded to BC after getting into some training camp altercations with some other players. But for a one-year guy, and a guy who's obviously still in the in the league, I thought Devon Coleman was probably the best of the bunch. I do remember that name, and I yeah, I do recall that he was he was really powerful in the middle with uh, with Big Teddy. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a, you know, that's a, at a left field kind of, you might forget that name but yeah yeah it's coming back to me now um i got on defense i got Keon raymond um like you i went back i went back to the 90s you know like rosters and just looking for guys that were with with us for one season and Keon raymond wasn't even really with us for a season he came in late in the season he played a couple games and then the playoffs but i thought he did a, a great job you know he had a tremendous you know career leading up to being with the ticats and i i still think he had some some tank uh, some gas left in the tank when he came to the Ticats and did a, a really good job. Yeah, this is weird because I big Keon Raymond fan from all his years in Calgary. I remember he signed with the Argos and I was like, oh, that sucks. But then he, I think it was that same season that the Argos released him and ended up coming here for that playoff push in 2016. I remember a game, I think it was against Montreal, where he had kind of an interception strip of Nick Lewis. And I think it might have been his first or second game with the Cats, maybe even his first or second game at home. Just made this this play, and I think the Ticats ended up winning the game. 
Um, but I just remember making make that's the only kind of remem- memory I have of Keon Raymond with the Ticats. But I do remember when they signed him being like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this. I think he's like you. I still think he's got a little left in the tank, and he ended up having a, a nice little run, uh, albeit very, very short with us. But, yeah, that's, I think that's a good pick. It, it, but it, the defense was hard, right? Like, it was. I, do, I only found Coleman and Raymond as the only two I had. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like like I said, I went back like thirty years, and it was it was tough to find someone on there that just stayed one year. And it's tougher tougher now in the new and uh, you know this modern era where we've had you know you have to sign a two year contract basically. Mm-hmm. So you know the one year wonders were tough to come by. Yeah, uh, offense. Was that the we wanted one on offense and one on defense? Yeah. Offense, there were, there were a few more options. Um, I nearly went with Terrell Sutton. I, I, much like Keon Raymond, didn't spend a ton of time here. But, I mean, he gave us Oski Wee Wee motherfucker. So, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's in the, the Hall of Fame as far as Ticats go. Uh, the John, Potsky Hall of Fame. Yeah, Potsky. Oh, that, that's a good thing. Yeah, we should come up with that. We should do that, actually. We, we should, should do, do that. that. Give, give some right, love to the guys. That. I mean, first, first inductee is Rob Hickok, right? Oh, it's got to be. Got to get him in there before the hall. Yeah, he's got to get in. He deserves to be in a Hall of Fame. He might as well be in ours. Uh, John White, always loved John White. He was with Edmonton, spent one year here in 2018. Uh, Nick Grigsby, remember when he came over from Winnipeg after C.G. Gable got hurt? Uh, Had some good games in the playoffs, got us there. Um, But I went off the board with this one, and maybe it's not the best one-year player. And I'm not even sure if he, I would necessarily say he's my favorite. John White might be my favorite just because of how much I always liked John White. Um, do you remember a running back out of the University of Alabama played here very, very short period of time by the name of Terry Grant? Yep. Small guy, speedy, real fast. I think he was with us uh, that year that they played in Moncton, right? Against Correct. The 2011. He was on yep. the 2011 yep. team. Absolute burner. Came out of mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa. This guy looked like he was going to be, and the Ticats, if you remember back then, were cycling through like just running back after running back, and they were all, they were all really, really good. Like DeAndre DeAndre Cobb was, uh, I think he was off the team by this point. They brought in Avon Coburn. Um, Siobhan Walker came later. Uh, CJ Gable, obviously, they bring in. The, the Ticats have had a knack for finding running backs and making it work. And Terry Grant felt like he was the next in that line. Played very sparingly, unfortunately got hurt, and never, like, I believe he suffered some sort of ankle or foot injury and retired from football. And it was such a shame because I thought he could have been an absolute stud for those early competitive Ticats teams of of the late aughts and early 2010s. But he's the guy uh, going through. I was like, when you asked me, because obviously these are some of the questions that we kept over that we had to uh, kind of research, uh, he came, he popped into my head right, right away. I was like, oh, he, I don't think he was here longer than a year. And he, I think he played like five or six games and he got hurt. So unfortunate. But he was a guy that I thought, oh, this guy's going to be the best running back in the CFL in a year. And unfortunately, we never got to, to have it. But uh, yeah, I just thought this would be fun to kind of bring back memories of a guy like Terry Grant, who could have what could have been if he would have stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really exciting player. Another the running back that kind of comes to mind is uh, Lindsey Lamar. Oh he yeah, didn't last yeah, very long either. Yep. And uh, you know, I thought he had a, a ton of a potential as as well. And I think he got injured too. I think it was uh, concussions or something. Like yeah, that, he did. I remember that. That was the Guelph year because I was. That mm-hmm. was the year they started the season in Toronto. I believe he had a. A kickoff return for a touchdown in his first game. I think he had like two or three that season, and he didn't play very long. It was a couple of games, and then I will never forget it. It was Levi Steinauer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders that absolutely disgustingly took his head off with a with a dirty, dirty hit. 
and it was like helmet to helmet and just absolutely pathetic. And uh, I hated Levi Steinhauer ever since, and I think he's a dirty player. I mean, obviously he's, he's out of the league now, but I, I just remember being apoplectic when I saw that hit and just being absolutely disgusted that he, that he would do that. Um, yeah. And, yeah, ended Lindsey Lamar's career, who could have had, uh, as a return man, coming off the heels of uh, us having Marcus Thigpen, could have, been, uh, could have been the next in a great line of, of return men for the Tigers. I think the Tigers that year had, like, three or four guys return kicks or punts for touchdowns. Like, I think Banks did one. Uh, they had Terrell Sinkfield that year. I think I think Terrell Sinkfield was on the team that year. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Quincy McDuffie had a return. Lamar mm-hmm. had a return. They had they had a bunch of guys do do returns. And unfortunately, yeah, you're right about Lamar. His his career did not last long. No, it did not. Yep. Who do you got? Uh, I got uh, I got Chad Owens. Uh, oh, in. do you remember how angry we were? And now look where we yes, are five years later. You. Oh, it's like, oh yeah. I sh- I shouldn't say we. Me. I was so ma- so mad. I didn't like him either. Like I didn't like him either. But you had a, another level of uh, yeah, a Ricky yeah. Foley like level of disdain for Shadow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if it ever did. It reach those levels. It did Ricky at Foley. a time. It, I've a softened time. since. I've softened okay. since. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, look. Yeah, if he doesn't get hurt that year, Mike, I got a Chad Owens jersey in my closet right now. You remember? Exactly. The, remember? The, remember the deal I made? Yeah, I do. If he had a thousand yards or ten touchdowns. I was getting a jersey, and he was so damn close. Then he got hurt. Yeah, it would have been uh, would have been good. You know, it, it wouldn't rank up there as high as me shaving my legs, but uh, <laughs> uh, it would have been up there. Um, but yeah, Chad Owens, he had a great year up until he got injured. Uh, I remember the game here at Edmonton where Jeremiah Mazzoli, you know, broke the record for uh, completions in a row, and uh, Chad Owens had a tremendous touchdown catch in that big comeback, a one-handed grab in the back of the end zone. Ah, it might have been a two-point right. conversion, but. Uh, yeah, he he played really well for for us that one year and, and did a lot of good things. So um, it, it was tough to find a name, but I think Chad Owens is a good one. That that is a good one. He he erased a lot of bad memories of him the year he was here. Um, first game of the season, they go into Toronto. His return to Toronto, and he catches the game ceiling touchdown. Uh, Labor Day against the Argos, I believe he catches what would and I know it was a larger margin of victory but what would end up being the game-winning touchdown. Like, he was a Ticats killer, and that's part of the reason why I disliked him. But also, he ended up becoming fairly fairly beloved. It didn't, it didn't take long for everyone to kind of forget that he ever wore the double blue. And that one year, he was... Uh, he, I, I got to admit, I, I did not think I would warm to him as quickly as I did. And I... Like, Christ, I wrote a piece for the Hamilton Spectator on why I didn't want him on the team. And... <laughs> I ended up becoming a, a pretty big fan of him that season. It was uh, it was one of the biggest heel-to-face turns I've ever seen in, in professional sports. And speaking of wrestling, uh, our last question today comes from Jim Martin as well. Um, he wants us to please match each CFL team to an AEW faction. And our apologies out there to anyone who doesn't really watch AEW, but we both do, and we were pretty excited about this one. But it was a tough one to get together. So you want to go... One by one here, Josh, or, or what do you want to do? Yeah, before we, we get, dig into this, though, I just got to say, Jim, this was, I mentioned the, the one-year players as one of the hardest questions. This was the most difficult. I pontificated on this for a week and went back and <laughs> yeah. forth. It was, this was hard. This was very, very hard. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I think it's fair to say that when it comes to comparing CFL stuff to pop culture stuff, I'm the guy. You're a king. You're the I king. am. I am. I 
I don't I don't tend to toot my own horn a lot, but toot toot. Yep. I, I do this more than and better than anyone else out there. And this, this nearly broke me. This was so hard to try to come up with stuff that, like, don't get me wrong, awesome and fun. And Jim, kudos to you for coming up with such an interesting out-of-the-box question. But, man, this was difficult. So I just wanted to get that out there before uh, before we dug in. But, yeah, wherever you want to start, Mike, I'm ready to go. Yeah, what are you doing making us work here, Jim? No, no, no I had a, it was tough, but I had a good time, you know, yeah. uh, because there is a lot of factions in AEW, so they, there were enough. But yeah, oh, there, there, there were more there than enough. I, I have three yep. that I didn't even use, and I had to, and yeah. I dug, now granted, I dug deep. You, you know who the wingmen are? Um, Peter Avalon, uh, Dolph Ziggler's brother. They're barely, they're usually on like Dark or, or one of the okay, YouTube shows. yeah. Yeah, they're not really on yeah, the show. So, so like that, they, they're they're a faction. I almost used them for one of the teams, but I ended up going with something a little more mainstream to the AEW audience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there, there were more than enough. AEW's got a lot of factions. They do. They do. Maybe too much, but... Uh, yeah, well. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. where, where do you want to start? All right, well, I, I just no particular order. At the top of the list, I got the Stampeders. Um, I got them as the pinnacle. Me too! It's because they're cocky jerks. And, and they have an uh, unlikable lead! Yep. Yeah, and perfect! They're the pinnacle of the CFL. They are the, that too. the model franchise. So that's what I got for the Stampeders. That too. And so, yeah, say, all the same reasons. MJF's the leader. Bo Levi, if Bo Levi Mitchell was a wrestling character, he'd be MJF. <laughs> he would yeah. be. He would be. Cocky would be. prick, but, yeah. but good, but deservedly so. Don't get me wrong. I'm not ripping into Bo, uh, but MJF is a dickhead. And, uh, I mean, Bo's got dickhead tendencies. But uh, the other things... You got Tully Blanchard as the group's manager, John Huffnagel. Neither are really that likable. They're kind of gruff, but that they, they, that kind of fits. And then there's kind of a lot of, well, we don't know about these guys. What do we know about Wardlow and, and Sean Spears? Not a whole heck of a lot. What do we really know about Calgary's receiving core? Not a whole, like, there, there were ways to come up. I had a lot of fun with this one. But yeah, when I, it was, that was one of the ones that once I kind of figured this out was an easy one to kind of put. So yeah, we both had the same there. We're both with, uh, with the pinnacle and the stamp. So that was, that's a good, good way to start. Yes, sir. So the next one I got on the list is the tie cats. This might surprise you or anyone else that watches AEW, but I got the dark order for the tie cats because Ooh, they were black. Okay. And the, you know, hangman, well, maybe not in the dark order is certainly friends with the dark order. And he is so close to a title, just like the tie yep. cats. So that's why I got the Dark Order as the Tie Cats. Oh, see, I went Inner Circle. I went. Okay, uh, yeah, that, I was going to go that way, but I don't know. I just didn't. it's and and honestly, I went Inner Circle because a lot of my favorites are. I love Santana and Ortiz. I I am a huge fan of Sammy Guevara, and I've liked Chris Jericho since the first time I saw him in WCW back in '96. So it's just it was just they're my favorite. Hamilton Tigers are my favorite. There wasn't really much more to it than that. But I do like your Dark Order pick. That that's a re- that's a really good pick. Yeah, because I think everything's leading to a Hangman. Oh, yeah, uh, Hangman, Hangman's going to be Omega Kenny. Match. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's Hangman's going to win the title, as he should. Yeah. Hangman's all. I, lo- I love Hangman Page. Same. I love the finish. And I didn't like him when, he, when, he, when, he, when I first started watching AEW. Like, I knew him for a bit from Japan, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember he fought Jericho for the belt at, uh, I think it was the first All Out in or was it all in i don't remember whatever i think it was was, he jericho beat him and he i was like i don't get i don't get this guy but then watching the shows and getting into it yeah big handbang page fan so i'm hoping he he's finally the one to defeat that douchebag kenny omega yes uh the next on the list i got the argos and the argos are the nightmare collective now this isn't a faction that exists anymore 
but I picked the Nightmare Collective because they sucked and no one cared. Oh, is is that the is that the one with Brit? Was that Brandy's group? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that see, so I kind of went with the same sort of reasoning, but I went with uh, the HFO, the Hardy Family Office. Um, okay, they're kind of all over the place. They they add and subtract. Got like they got the Butcher and the Blade, and they got Hybrid Two, and they got uh, Private Party. Like there's some young guys in there that you're kind of excited about, but then they got you know they got Matt Hardy, who's who everyone knows. You know Matt Hardy, Charleston Hughes, kind of the same you know little older guy, but can still kind of kind of get it going. And they're not really a threat, but they could be, and they're maybe not as good as they should be, and that's kind of where I was going with the Argos. But uh, yeah, the the Nightmare Collective, I like it. The disbanded faction, yeah, the Brandy Rose ran that was absolute trash. Yeah, that's a good pick too. The Red Blacks, I got uh, the Nightmare Factory. Same here, because they suck and I hate them. Yes. (laughs) Well, for me, uh, they have one or two names, but overall, not a threat at all. Yeah, same thing. Uh, and I just, I hate QT Marshall. See, this is the one where I almost put the wingmen because I was like, the wingmen are irrelevant and no one cares about them. And with the Red Blacks being as bad as they are. But then I thought that's a little harsh because the Red Blacks, people care about them. They're a, very, they're a popular team. They're, they do really well in Ottawa. So that was unfair. But yeah, I hate the Nightmare Factory. I hate the Red Blacks. Let's move on to the next one. I got the Montreal Alouettes next. And I got them as the Jurassic Express. Okay. Uh, um, the up and coming. Could see a championship in the future with uh, Jungle Boy because I think they're grooming Jungle Boy to eventually. Maybe it's years down the road, but uh, he's he's an exciting guy that's coming up, and I think he will win whether it's the World Championship or the TNT Championship. I think eventually he will get a title. Yeah, love me some Jungle Boy. This is where I went with the Dark Order, and kind of for the same reasons, on the cusp of doing something big, a little bit of a, a, a cast of misfits. But they have this likability factor, and I hate saying that about the Alouettes. But there is something about the Alouettes that is that is kind of likable. Yeah. Um, they're they're with Vernon Adams at the helm. Vernon Adams and, and Hangman Page to me are very two guys that have a ton of potential that haven't quite reached it yet. So I went with the Dark Order for the Owls, but I do like the uh, the Jurassic Express pick too. That's a good one. The Riders, I got the Riders as Team Taz. Uh, oh, okay. Lots of, lots of cockiness. And they will make a lot of noise, but in the end, won't win a championship. Oh, okay. So I took the Riders as the Nightmare Family, led by a guy who's a little bit overrated. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge Cody Rhodes fan. I don't hate him, but I don't, I don't love him either. And, you know, Cody mm-hmm. leads the Nightmare Family. Cody leads the mm-hmm. Riders. And there's like, I, I feel like the Nightmare Family should be with with it being run by Cody and having Arn Anderson and like there there should be more to them than what there is but okay. there's there's something there's something kind of missing there and as we know Cody Rhodes famously lost to Chris Jericho at uh I believe it was full gear 2019 and can never challenge for the the world championship again so with that and the riders not winning championships I thought that was apt as well there you go I like that I, like I don't that. mind the team Taz one though I think that's pretty good Next, we got the Bombers, and I got them as the Elite. Same here. Um, Come on, the Winnipeg Yeah, they got the championship. They're the champs right now, so they're the Elite. Champs, Uh, the Winnipeg Connection, and just full of incredibly unlikable douchebags, which mm -hmm. after our whole ranking the the white W last, the Bombers fans that came after us, it's like, yeah, I feel like people who cheer for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega would also (laughs) cheer for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, the BC Lions, I got SCU. Um, Oh, okay. Had some success in the past, but not a real contender. Okay. Uh, I went with Team Taz. 
uh, obviously the black and orange motif fits for both sides. And also you got uh, you got Taz, an elder statesman, leading that group, although he doesn't wrestle, but he leads the group. And for the Lions, you got the elder statesman and their quarterback, Michael Riley, who, you know, he's getting a little up there. He's got a little gray in the hair, got a little gray in the beard, same, same as Taz. So with, with the color combinations working, I mean, that's where most of this came because this was difficult, but I found a way to kind of make it on the football field as well. And our last one is uh, the Elks. And it's a little bit of a stretch, I suppose, for me. But I got them as a death triangle. Same here. A death triangle because of Harris-Ellingson-Walker uh, combination. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's pretty good. I kind of put the – so the Elks, I also, like I said, also a death triangle. And it was more – I don't you don't really know if they're baby faces or heels because sometimes mm. like, like Pac – hates Eddie Kingston, who's a face. And and you have, you know, Penta and and Ray Fenix, and you don't really know, like, they're sometimes good. They're like, Penta had, after I think it was Double or Nothing, had this feud with Cody where he was a heel, but then he's now feuding with the Young Bucks who are, who are heels. So they, they kind of go back and forth. And my feelings on Edmonton kind of go back and forth. Like, I, I don't hate Edmonton, but I don't necessarily love Edmonton. So it's like... It's it's kind of weird. The one neither of us had, and this and I wanted to get them in so much was best friends. Um, Orange Cassidy's yes. like my favorite wrestler in the world right now, and I tried to find a spot for him, but there was just there was there was, it was really hard to put best friends in there. Yeah, I think it may be like I was thinking of if uh, Ellingson and Sonopoly were still together. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, we yeah, we're on the same wavelength here, Josh. Yeah. on a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was really fun. Um, so. Thanks for the questions from uh, from Jim. A lot of good ones, a lot of ones that made us think. And thanks for everyone for for sending them in because uh, we appreciate you guys listening and uh, and and the questions as well. Yeah, and apologies for all the fans of the show that just listened to Mike and I talk about pro wrestling in right. really deep detail on the secondary wrestling uh, organization in North America. That probably, I think it's probably fair to say, ninety to ninety five percent of our audience probably doesn't even know exists, mm-hmm. but. Just go with us. We wanted to have a little fun. This was a really fun exercise. And now, here's the thing. Now you, you have to listen to it. You can rewind through it, or you can fast forward through it, skip past it. And uh, you, now you don't have to read my piece on it that I inevitably would have written as soon as AEW ever came to Canada. There you go, yeah. And hopefully soon they will, because uh, I, I haven't been to a wrestling show in years and years and years, and it'd be fun to go. And, you know, they have full capacity here in Alberta now, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, maybe they'll they'll come out here relatively soon. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait for them to come to Hamilton because they just signed uh, recently All Ego Ethan Page, who's from Stony Creek, and mm-hmm. he's going to main event the first show, no doubt about it. And he is going to get a massive hero's welcome at Cops Coliseum or First Ontario Center, whatever the hell it's called now. Um, and I, I that's kind of cool because I remember when he showed up at uh, was it Double or Nothing that he showed up or was it Revol- no it was Revolution showed up at Revolution so. and uh, oh in the in the ladder match and. Uh, when they said from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Pops. on the dynamite, I was just like, I, I haven't heard that since Iron Mike Sharp was was doing job matches on superstars and Saturday night's main event. <laughs> so it's just, it's kinda cool that we got the Hamilton connection. Oh, I guess we could have gone with men of the year for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but they're not really uh, a faction, they're more of a tag team. Yeah, yeah. That's if they ever add a third guy, I'll, I'll nah, the inner circle still makes sense for me. But the Hamilton ah, it's tough. But that, no, that was that was a blast, Jim. Uh, never ask us a question like that again because that was really difficult. But that was awesome. Thank you very much. Next week it'll be named the, the CFL 
teams with uh, WWE factions. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll dig deep there. Yeah. Well, Stampeders are the Heart Foundation. And yeah, anyway, yeah. That, that that's for another time. But uh, that's all we got for this week. That was Posky Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.